Hello, and welcome to The Past and the Curious. I'm Mick Sullivan, and I make this show for you. This is another episode of The Underwear Chronicles. Long story short, I will have a new book out, hopefully this winter, the winter of 2020. It's called I See Lincoln's Underpants, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot like this show. And I'm giving you 14 of the chapters in the lead up to the release. There are a few other chapters that will be included in the book that you won't get on the podcast and a whole bunch of other fun stuff in the book as well. I cannot wait to share it with the world and I hope you find a copy somehow. I will let you know as soon as it's available, I promise. In the meantime, enjoy this episode, which may be a bit familiar. It's about Utzi, the Iceman, and we covered him a bit when we did a collaborative episode with our friends from Tumble, the Incredible Science Podcast. This is a different version of the story, so it's got plenty of new stuff for you. So sit back, relax, and if it's hot where you are, you know, pretend you're in a cold place, but not as cold as where Utzi was. Underwear is kind of funny. In many cases, we don't know much about what people wear underneath because most people prefer to only share their clothes on the outside. Despite the fact that we probably all have underwear on right now, it's still easy to get uptight and tight-lipped about our tidy whities Most people from the past felt the same way, if not more so. In other cases, say prehistoric times, there's no way to know what people wore simply because very little has survived. This makes for an exciting discovery when someone like Utzi shows up. But let his story serve as a warning to you. If you are unfortunate enough to be frozen in ice, please make sure you have on clean underwear. Utzi's mother might have been embarrassed to learn about the look of his undies when he made his surprise appearance. To put it bluntly, his undies might have been tight, but they were definitely not very white. Now, as you probably know, countries fight about a lot of things. Usually they fight about big things, but international conflicts have been sparked by such seemingly small stuff as pigs rooting in the wrong place, a runaway dog, and even one measly ear that used to be attached to the head of some guy named Jenkins. That was the War of Jenkins' Ear, which was a war between England and Spain that went on for nine years, which seems a bit excessive for an ear, I would think. Only once in history have two nations fought over a dead guy in his dirty underwear. But luckily, the would-be war for Utzi and his underwear never got violent, and it was resolved relatively quickly. Inspired by Utzi's chill demeanor and chillier body temperature, cooler heads prevailed. Militaries never even got involved. Instead, Italy and Austria turned to the real authorities, scientists. Austria and Italy are very close. In fact, they share a border. This border, or the disagreement about where it ends and begins, was precisely the problem. See, no one cares about a boundary line until something valuable is on that boundary. And in 1991, one of the most valuable discoveries of all time was made along this particular border. It wasn't buried treasure or jewels. It was a dead body. But because this dead body was found high up in the rocky and jagged alpine mountains, it was tricky to determine the exact location of this boundary. The drama began with an unsuspecting couple heading out for a hike 
while on vacation. The German visitors were near the Utstel Valley region of the Alps, where the powder-white snow caps and craggy cliffs are as picturesque as a gift shop postcard. Clearly, these travelers were not the kind of people to sit around and enjoy the stunning scenery from a distance, though they came to experience the majesty of the mountains up close and personal. If you're the type who likes cold, strenuous activity, a day at a place like this is probably as fun as it gets. At least until you come upon a dead body. Which is exactly how this vacation got ruined. Lucky for them, the couple was clad in clean underwear. At least until they were surprised by the corpse. But the same could not be said for the man in their path. They stopped dead in their tracks at the sight. Dark and twisted, the lower part of his lifeless body seemed to be frozen into the icy mountainside, right around the top of his raggedy brown undies. Wishing to help and hopeful for the best, the hikers initially sprang into action, but quickly concluded that there was nothing they could do to save the Iceman. One close look and they knew that no amount of mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation or CPR was going to bring him back to life. They knew it was wrong to just leave him, though. Perhaps there had been a crime, they thought. Or, at the very least, what if this poor dead guy was a fellow hiker who had overdone it and disappeared and passed away while someone somewhere was missing him? They immediately headed to the station on the trail and alerted authorities, but when the Alpine emergency workers rushed to the scene, they found a job out of their league. This was not the sort of rescue that they were qualified to do. Instead, they called in the real authorities. Scientists. Before the scientists could arrive to secure the scene, the people present tried to pry the body from the permafrost. The torso, head, and arms were mostly out of the ice, but from the waist down, the cold, crusty fellow was firmly stuck like a greedy arm caught in a vending machine. Little progress was made, so they crowdsourced the labor. Anyone who happened to be on the trail was invited to take a few whacks at the earth surrounding the Iceman. Word to the wise, don't let random people do delicate work. While they thought they were being helpful, this recklessness left the specimen with some serious damage. And when the scientists finally figured out what they were dealing with, the thought of these random passerbys poking and prodding at the Iceman was petrifying. This wasn't a freshly dead body. It wasn't even a pretty old body. After running radiocarbon tests, scientists discovered the man had been dead for over 5,000 years. So imagine the relief the hikers must have felt that they had not tried to give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. Am I right? Frozen or not, everyone needs a name. Because of his location in the Utstel Valley, the scientists naturally started calling him Utzi. The discovery was incredible. Old bodies had been found before, but nothing in this condition. And while Utzi's head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and partially eaten butt because it seems some ancient animal might have made a meal of his buns way back when, they were all certainly exciting. Some people, though, were even more excited by what was found with him. All of his stuff! Originally, it was the assumption that the dirty brown loincloth around his waist was all he carried from his previous life, but the melting ice revealed much more. Across the sea in Egypt, a myriad of mummies have been recovered with plenty of physical possessions. The problem is that none of those are very realistic collections of the things a person might have actually used in their day-to-day -day life. 
the perished pharaohs and mortal mummies were buried with all of the stuff that their friends thought that they might need for a splendid afterlife. Things like fancy dishes, vats of honey, fine clothes, and of course, plenty of changes of underwear. Had any normal person just died alone on a random day in a random place like poor Utzi, the things they carried and wore would have been very different. Obviously, plenty of people have died this way, but if they're still out there, we haven't found them yet. Lucky for us, some 5,000 years ago, before Utzi's body could molder or be eaten by wild animals, he was covered in a snowfall, frozen, and eventually gobbled up by the ice of a glacier. For centuries, Utzi would remain completely unseen by the world around him, until he slowly melted out to surprise a pair of poor vacationers. Not wanting to embarrass the Iceman, doctors covered his nearly naked body and carried him down the mountain to a nearby supersized refrigerator in Austria. Even a centuries-old body immediately begins to decompose if it warms up, so it was important to keep him on ice, like a tub of grandma's egg salad. While the temperature in the refrigerator dropped, the dispute over who should keep the dead guy heated up. The hikers had discovered him right on the border of Italy and Austria, with the Italians claiming that he was found on their side of the imaginary line. He was rightfully theirs, they believed, but Utzi was already nestled in Austria, and the Austrians respectfully disagreed with Italy about that boundary line. They planned on keeping Utzi cold in their walk-in freezer for the rest of his days. And the disagreement got pretty serious. Who knew a dead guy in his underwear could be such a commodity? International law doesn't settle matters by having presidents play rock-paper-scissors for cold corpses. Instead, they got their final answers from those authoritative scientists. After some precise GPS measurements were taken of Utzi's final resting place, it was confirmed that the Italians were correct. The dead guy in underwear was their dead guy in underwear. An odd victory celebration followed, and then they began making plans for the cold old man. Not only would it be amazing to learn about life in the past from him, but they also realized tourists would travel from far and wide to see poor Utzi in his undies. There were still hurdles to clear, though. Threats were made from would-be mummy-nappers in Austria who shivered at the idea of the Austrian Iceman becoming the oldest and coldest Italian citizen. It was serious. Officials believed that someone would try to steal the crusty old thing, so they spared nothing when it came to precautions. The super-dead, nearly-naked man was, no joke, loaded into an ambulance, many years too late, mind you, and given a multi-car police escort over the border to Italy. With the body snatchers subdued, Utzi was nestled into his new safe house, and still today, he rests on the same glass slab in a moisture and temperature-controlled room in Bolzano, Italy. If the poor guy could have spoken, probably would have just said he wanted some peace and quiet. But you know how scientists are. Sure, they're experts about a lot of stuff, but when it comes to poking and prodding at old specimens, they just can't help themselves. Thanks for listening, y'all. My name is Mick Sullivan, and this is The Past and the Curious. Stay tuned for another collaborative episode later this month. I'll be telling you a brand new story 
with the help of my friends at Cool Facts About Animals. You know, summer seemed like a good time to try something a little new, so look for that soon. I'm excited to tell the story and collaborate with them. It's also cold, so I don't know, maybe I'm wishful thinking. I'm thinking about cold things in the summer. In the meantime, I have some happy birthdays to wish. Patreon people, I'll get the Patreon shoutouts in the episode coming later this month, but now it's birthday time for two special birthdays. First, happy birthday, Theo Anderson in Saskatoon. I know it's a couple days after your birthday. You turned 11 on July 10th, which is the day after my birthday, which would make me exactly 30 years and one day older than you. Uh, I hope you had a great birthday, Theo. I'm so glad you like the show and uh, keep on listening. I'm glad to know that you're out there or up there. And last but not least, one more. Nina Passavant in Pittsburgh will be turning eight later this month. Nina, your sister Ellie asked me to wish you a happy birthday, which was a very touching gesture, I must say. So happy birthday to you, Nina. I hope it's great. Eat a pierogi for me, eh? All right. If you have a birthday, happy birthday to you too, wherever you are. Take care, everybody. I'll talk to you very soon. It's your pal Mick, signing off.